0: Hi and welcome. You're listening to the Church Renewal podcast from Flourish Coaching. Flourish sets ministry leaders free to be effective wherever God has called them. So when pastors and churches feel stuck, our team of coaches can help refresh their hope in the gospel and clarify their strategy. I'm the host of the Church Renewal podcast, Alan Edwards. And today we're going to be talking about worship and church renewal. The first and greatest privilege of God's people is to come into his presence in worship. We live for and in light of the glory of our Lord. But if our churches are languishing, how does that affect our worship? Is there a magic formula for worship that will attract people to your church? How do you feel about the worship service in your congregation? Do you love it? Do you understand it? Are you embarrassed by it? Is your worship in your congregation reverent and joyful? We love to hear about worship in your churches, so please, Connect with us on Twitter at FlourishCoach1, that's Flourish Coach and the number one, or on Facebook at Flourish Coaching, or out on the web at FlourishCoaching.org. Our executive director, Matt Bowling is going to join us in a moment to talk about the renewal of worship in our churches. So I invite you to come along and dig in with us as we explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. All right, so I've got Matt here today on the Church Renewal Podcast, and we're talking about joyful and reverent worship matt i want to let uh, our listeners in behind the curtain a little bit oh yeah so let me explain that when i was a senior in high school matt became the pastor of our recently planted church matt do you remember uh your first impressions of do you remember your first impressions of me matt Yes, actually, I do. No, don't, okay, that's 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 okay. We second. stop that there. We're we're gonna just keep going because you our listeners don't need to hear about that. Um, but we'd been worshiping for a couple years publicly at that point. Matt, uh, how would you describe what our worship was like when you came to our little church plant? Is abysmal a bad word? Ooh. Oh, that's. It was earnest. It was earnest. We had that, that, that is very. That is. That's a good word. But there it was, was a, not a single person in that church that had any music. I would play the piano occasionally, but I was so bad that by the end of the doxology, I would be plunking it out with one finger. <laughs>
1: I actually remember that.
0: I was so I have a visual
1: of you at the piano with it, your little pointers in. Anyways, it was funny. Um, it. it the the man who planted the church had many gifts, but one of them was not thinking carefully um about worship that would reconstruct people under the gospel week by week. Sure. And yeah. um and it so it was it was challenging because um I had been schooled in a tradition and was continuing to be schooled in a tradition where the point of a worship service was for people to experience the gospel anew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't a it wasn't a stylistic necessarily sort of training. It was
0: more, why do we gather on Sundays? What's mm. the point, right? Why are we there, right? And so as we talk about the intersection of church renewal, revitalization, and worship, we're talking about you know a renewed experience of the gospel, a renewal of our relationship with the gospel in worship, which is different than. Uh, A programmatic or a tactical changing of your worship service to attract people, right? Right. Right. So I had a friend who was a, a minister in a different denomination, and he told me he went to a worship training seminar, and they taught him the correct temperature to keep the room. Ah, and the correct beats per minute for the music, so uh-huh. that people would have the right emotional response, right to the to this to the music, so that they would be in a place that was receptive and open. That's not what we mean when we say that renewed churches need renewed worship, right?
1: No, not at all.
0: So so talk to me about we use this phrase that in church renewal, it's a process of people experiencing, uh, joyful and reverent worship. What do we mean by that? Yeah. So the those two words together feel odd to some people. Joyful and reverent. Joyful
1: and reverent. Right. So those flow um, uh, with a from a verse in Psalm two um, that feels odd to Americans. Okay. So let me read it and then um, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. So Psalm two eleven says, "Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling." Mm. So that feels odd. Like, okay, fear, trembling, got that. Rejoice, got that. But rejoice with trembling? Wait a second. Mm. What is that? Well, that's joyful and reverent worship. It, it, it's something where um, maybe we experience both the transcendence and the imminence of God at the same time. We experience him as uh lord of all who made everything from nothing who rules over everything by his providence all the way down to the tiniest detail and so we're in we're in absolute abject awe of this creator god who sustains everything um, in his providence and is also our father who sent his son for us and who takes up residence within us the third person of the trinity lives within believers mm and so we have this experience which is an amazing um we're called to to rejoice over that right sure yeah that you know that's the theme of philippians for at least is the point is to rejoice at these truths as they come together christ with us right right the spirit within us so this this rejoice with trembling we're trying to bring together things that are uh easier to experience apart but but they're meant to be together. Yeah. So there's both reverence because God's the creator of all, the ruler of all, uh, and joyful because it's it's God with us, even God God within us, yeah. uh, because of the work of Christ. And so we rejoice in awe, and that's the that's what we're trying to to do. So worship yeah. services are meant to be constructed, um, and constructed and led in a way in which people have the opportunity. If their hearts are uh, in the right place and they're willing to, to follow um, the atmosphere of the service as it changes, as people re-experience the gospel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that they have the opportunity. if uh, The way I like to put it is if they'll get in the car and ride in it, right, um, to experience reverent and joyful worship.
0: So, so often when I talk to pastors about re- renewing and revitalizing their church there's almost this unspoken fear that the first thing I'm going to tell them is they've got to update their music style. Um, and I, I want to talk about style in a minute, Sure, but, but, but that our churches might experience uh, a, f- a fresh encounter with God in the gospel, that our churches might be renewed. Why does worship make this list? Why does our worship service make this list and not necessarily our Sunday school class or our, um, the, the way we run our congregational meeting? Why is it so important that if we want to lead renewal in our churches, we have to be thoughtful about worship on the Lord's Day?
1: So I don't think the way that you read Sunday lead Sunday school classes is insignificant. And right. certainly the way you read congregational meetings. We can do in a future, future podcast because right. I have a whole story about that
0: <laughs> of the way we changed them in in the church we led in Seattle. And and but, we've talked about discipleship in those. So it's not right, like we're right. ignoring those, but giving this special time to the worship service. Right? Yeah. So I think
1: that um, I think the reason is that um, it is um, a key thing that every church does. Um, it's not optional, um, to gather <clears throat> week by week uh, with God's people to sing his praises. So the worship service sits in a unique place in that it's something that that all Christians do because um, it's, we're called by God to gather together, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and we follow the model that we're given in the New Testament in terms of gathering week by week um, on the Lord's Day. Uh, it's something that all churches do, and so it's a place where, if it's renewed, um, it can have an amp- impact in all kinds of churches, right? I think the other reason is that um, it's the, it's the unique place where, in our tradition at least, um, preaching happens, mm. and that is a unique moment where uh, a person that God has set apart, gifted by the Spirit, to bring um, a teaching of his word to his people happens. Um, and so that's not insignificant. Um, God wishes, if you will, to show up on the Lord's day and, um, to do so in services. Hmm. And we believe that it's why we have a, an invocation we call on the name of the Lord. We call on invite. the name of the Lord. We invite the Lord. We say, you know, um the old song it puts it, you know, um, have your way with us, which is not to say that mm-hmm. God isn't all powerful, but it's us saying, We're willing to hear from you, shape us, mm-hmm. um, make us different than we've been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's a unique opportunity that that happens in uh every church I've ever been a part of.
0: Yeah. So so let's talk about style and worship. Sure. Um, Is there a particular style of worship that a church has to make use of if they want to grow and be revitalized? No. Okay. Why? Now, now if I look at my community, I live in Western Pennsylvania. If I look at my community around me and I look at the biggest churches, they all seem to have the same kind of style. Doesn't that mean that there's a particular style that will make my church grow? Not necessarily.
1: I think it's much more uh, about whether you do your style well. Okay. What do you mean by that? So there's a a conference that um, I've been able to go to several times over the years. Alan one was able to go to me last year, and it's a it's a a conference where a bunch of pastors and our tradition those are uh, men, two hundred of them in one room singing um, joyfully and boisterously. It is unmistakable that that room. Uh, is joyful and reverent. Mm-hmm. It is mostly traditional hymns that are sung to a piano
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that conference right um, And it's unmistakable for people that come there that said that was incredible worship even if stylistically it wasn't maybe what they would do at their home church right So I I think that some of the work that I needed to do, after I got at a seminary, was to learn how to lead worship well. Okay. Um, and leading worship well is constructing a service well. First, um, making sure that things are done with quality. So your musicians, whatever style they play, whatever they play, that it's done well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we'll tell a story in just a second about unwell music. Um, and then the, the person who leads leads well. They're prepared. They're they can make um, apt, helpful comments. Their prayers are thoughtful and earnest to the point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not teaching times. They're not rambling. They're um, they lead people forward in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's an art to leading worship well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a learned art. It doesn't always happen that way.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we talk a lot in this podcast about a missionary mindset Yeah, that um, that the church does not just exist for us. It also exists for quote unquote them, the the people that don't yet know God, mm-hmm. right? That if we are, if we are existing for God's glory, God is seeking worshipers. So there are certain styles of worship that could be more difficult for the unchurched. First of all, Inviting people to come sit in a room, all face the same direction, and sing and say things together out loud—that's already otherworldly for oh, yeah. a very quickly non-Christianizing culture. Okay, sure. So all Christian worship is a little otherworldly, yes, uh, at least a little otherworldly. Mm-hmm. But some styles of Christian worship are more "quote unquote" otherworldly than others, mm-hmm. um, are are less familiar to the non-Christian. But let's say my church is has a preference for 17th and 18th century hymnody more than modern music. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a preference for the piano over the guitar and the drums. Uh, We have joyful and reverent worship. You know, we are participating. We're thoughtful. We're oriented around the gospel. We're not, we don't have a chip on our shoulder about it. What does it mean to have a missionary mindset regardless of your style of worship? So
1: I think a couple of ways. One of them is, do you expect people that don't know the Lord to be there? Okay. Do you expect people who it's the first time that they've ever walked into your church to be there? Yeah. And if you, um, if you lead, particularly lead the service, consciously thinking This may be the first time that someone's ever worshipped in a service like this. What happens is that uh, visitors, whether they be Christians or non-Christians, know that you were thoughtful of them. Hmm. And that makes an enormous difference. Um, I was once challenged by um, something that I read that that was fascinating. Um, uh, A teacher, provocative, I don't think anyone actually expects this, but uh, but it was provocative enough to really make me think about it. Uh, one teacher uh, said one time, um, uh, how would you how would your worship service be different if you actually expected that half the people who were there were unbelievers? Hmm. I don't think anybody actually thinks that there might be some church plant situations. Right. Where that's the case early in, on in a church plant. Um, but it was provocative hmm. enough for me to think about to go, OK. That would change how we lead, how we make connections, how we explain things,
0: mm.
1: how I preach,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how uh, we talk about the gospel in the midst of the service. It would change a lot of things. Yeah, And and that's irrelevant of what century the music's drawn from or what instruments are used to play the music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it seems clear when you read in um, 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul expected that unbelievers would be in gathered worship. Mm -hmm. So that should not be um, objectionable. Sometimes people will, when we're having this conversation, we're working with clients, um, some people will say, well, the worship service is really for God's people. Well, yeah. And God's people gather with an expectation that they are a people gathered for the missionary work of God. But this is the the team
0: meeting of the Tactical Missionary Unit. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting. That idea, the expectation that there's a non-believer, that there are non-believers in the service with us. Honestly, the first time I was really exposed to that idea, I was reading a book by Rosaria Butterfield, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And this is crazy that it occurred to me reading her book. Um... You know, she, she said in, in the book that she would, uh, you know, leave her non-Christian lifestyle and come into this worship service. And it was like going on foreign soil. Sure. And the the funny thing is, um, Butterfield was walking into worship services that were not using instruments. Right. And were singing acapella, the Psalms of the Old Testament. Right, right. Right. Um, the church I worship, I'm going to alienate our audience for a moment here, but the church I worship in now, in this season of our family life, is a is a church like that, right? And uh, while while that's not our family's personal conviction, we do deeply appreciate it. And I think the idea that that what does it mean for us to be missionary, right? So the church we worship in has this conviction. So are we thoughtful? When a visitor comes in to explain why we do what we do. Yes. Are are we winsome and inviting people to participate in what we're doing? And I think the same thing goes if you are a church that's singing out of a hymnal. And if you're a church that has more culturally accessible style. So you're using the instruments and the style of music that is a little more culturally accessible to the non-Christian. Even then you have to have a missionary mindset, right? Absolutely. So what's Absolutely. the missionary mindset in that set? If, I, if I'm if i a church with a, a big band or, or a, you know, a, a, I'm doing a folk rock style that's popular in my community, what does it mean to have a missionary mindset in that environment? I'll give you an example uh, from, uh, I, I
1: volunteered with another ministry to help them. They had a large church they were trying to help with. And um, uh, they needed some help on a church health assessment. And so... I went and I volunteered with this ministry at a church that at one point had been like the the hip kid on the block. The cool church. It was the cool church. When it was planted, it had gotten big, but it had halved in seven years.
0: Lost 50% of its lost
1: 50%. Community. Wow. And they were trying to- Even though they
0: were the cool kids on
1: the Even though they're the cool kids on the block. And I went into the service because it was part of the assessment. We went to the service and, you know, helped evaluate and things like that. And um, I was sitting next to, um, I'm a Gen Xer, and i was sitting next to uh, a boomer uh, who was the executive director of the Southern Ministry. And we both sat there for the service. We got done for the service, and I said, one of their problems is this was the way that would have been missionary when they started. That was 15 years ago. Mm. And it felt
0: very passe. I was unimpressed. Interesting. So just being current doesn't mean being missionary. Correct. And, and I would also imagine that being very current, being very in the cultural moment, you would still have to be missionary because you have to do explanation from the other way. Right. This isn't a rock concert. We are not performers. Correct. We are here to worship a real, true and living God. No matter what your style is, yes. you have to have a missionary mindset because you have to assume that there are people in your pews who don't, or in your rows or in your chairs, who don't understand that we are coming before a living God as a covenant people to worship the Lord. Right.
1: We're obviously going to do a second part in this because Alan and I are about to have a fight. But uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, it, actually, we're not. But I think that um, if I look at the current church that I go to, um, it was obvious when we walked into the door that it was thoughtful. Our church uses modern instruments and a mixture of old and new styles of music. But do you know what you hear when you're at my church? You hear people singing. Mm. Yeah, it's purposefully the music is purposefully pushed back the people who run the soundboard my my oldest son's now been taught how to run the soundboard the people are taught at the soundboard that the point of this is not for the musicians to be heard it's for them to be heard enough that people can sing and they do That's the point.
0: Hmm. We're going to have to put a pin in this conversation because we're hitting our time. Um, But we're going to come back and do a second episode on church renewal and joyful and reverent worship. Um, And we'll pick up some other aspects of worship, not just music, not just singing, uh, but but liturgy and thoughtfulness and and worship leadership. Matt, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Great. Always good to have you. Hey, uh, you've been listening to the Church Renewal podcast from Flourish Coaching. Worship is a, a hot topic. Even in the 21st century, we're still having worship wars in a lot of our churches. So we'd like to hear from you. You can reach out to our executive director, Matt, at flourishcoaching.org, or me, Alan, at flourishcoaching.org by email. Also, join us on Twitter, FlourishCoach 1, that's Flourish Coach in the number 1, or on Facebook at tinyurl.com slash flourishfb. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast today. You know, there's only one fully sufficient reason that today dawn, Jesus is still gathering a people to himself and he's using his church to do it. So join us as we pray for the renewal of our churches and explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church.